Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, Cycli, Line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. It's a number. Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Well, welcome to another edition of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. This is the most comfortable layout we've ever had no recording this podcast. I don't think we've ever done this on couches and no. most comfortable chairs ever. There's, there's been like hotel rooms before, so like usually, right. Usually one of us is like sitting on the bed and the other guy is in like the, the random chair in the room or whatever. But all of us, including uh, Daniel Moss, gets a, a nice, comfortable chair here at the Press Box restaurant at Bell MTS Ice Blast. That's what it's called. The first, I'm, like, here, just gonna I'm like sitting here Before thinking, we started I'm a really bad employee. I don't know the name of the restaurant. Unbelievable, the you guys. <laughs> Halfway across the room from me is Mitchell Clinton. <laughs> Daniel Moss, also part of the recording. And to my left is uh, Tyler Escobar. Jamie Thomas with you uh, for this uh, edition of, of Ground Control. First time we've ever recorded in a restaurant, I believe. So that's, that's uh, breaking history or making history every time we do these things. Um, great weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, big win uh, on the weekend. Uh, they're two for two so far in this uh, three-game homestand. They will take on the San Jose Sharks on Tuesday. But a couple of things we want to take away from this. First off, the second power play unit mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. And while the Jets wait for the return of Dustin Bufflin, who is kind of his absence has clearly affected how they're doing things on the first power play unit, the second power play unit, I believe has 12 the last 20 power play goals for the Winnipeg Jets. And Paul Maurice joked last week, they don't have a lot of time most times because <laughs> the first power play unit gets about the first minute 30. They have about you know 25 to 30 seconds to get things done, and their and their entries are there's more urgency when they get the pot and when they get out in the ice. But joking aside, they've been fantastic. Mitch, what have you seen and what are they doing that is making them so efficient lately? Yeah, against the Ducks, scored as many points as the uh, L.A. Rams. So yeah. uh, that was that was key. Yeah, I had to make some sort of Super well Bowl done. reference. Well done. All right, as we're all, all disappointed right. in the Super Bowl, but yeah, now on. now we now we move on. Uh, you know what 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 I've liked from the from the second unit is um, yeah they've been moving the puck around well. I think just earlier in the season it was almost like they had a lot of guys that could move the puck, but they weren't they weren't getting pucks to the net. They weren't they weren't shooting as much. Uh, maybe deferring, looking for just that right play, just that right one-time opportunity. And now it just seems everybody on that unit just has an incredible level of confidence in what they're able to do. Uh, obviously, Jack Rosovic against Anaheim was was phenomenal. And it was in a bunch of different ways, right? So, like, you had his first goal, which was a stretch pass off of a, a pre-scout that, that Jack told uh, the media after the game. It was something that they kind of saw. Jacob Truba with just an absolutely phenomenal pass uh, to send him in alone. The next one, it, it, Rosvik was kind of the the late guy. He was kind of sitting in high, got feathered a pass perfectly into the into the high slot, and he ripped it and beat uh, beat Gibson. And then the third one, they they were that second power play unit was set up, and they were moving the puck around really well. You could tell they were kind of looking for Rosvik a little bit. Um, they got one one shot to the net that he uh, missed on the tip, and it just went wide. But then Brian Little just kind of set him up right in the right in the slot there, and he ripped it off the inside of the post. So I think what we're seeing from them is a lot more shots getting to the net, but just a, a whole lot of confidence in what they're doing. And on the power play, that's that's huge. We should also mention it's without Nikolai Ehlers as well, yeah. and that's the uh, another amazing part as as well as they're playing. Uh, Jack Roslovic got the hat trick on on Saturday against the Anaheim Ducks. 
Just a great moment for Jack. Uh, he admits that he hasn't scored a lot of goals. I think he's being kind of kind. He's, he does have a some skill. Bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. a little bit modest on that one. But Tyler, what have you liked about Jack Rosovic as of late as well? Yeah, I mean, he obviously was sort of thrust into this role on the second line when Nikolai Ehlers went down. And I think it definitely took some time for him to, you know, adjust and, and get comfortable in that slot. But I think uh, everything sort of just sort of came to fruition. And the crazy thing is, is you know, he was cramping in the morning skate, came off. He was a question mark going into the game that night so um you know i think he's he's been really good he's he's a good skater he's been direct on pucks he's been able to create space for brian little and obviously patrick line uh we all know uh the the things that he's going through right now so um for jack rosovic to maybe shoulder some of that on that line is is a good thing so i just like where jack's game is at right now um you know the other thing is that you got to love Paul Maurice throwing that second unit power play to on to start that mm-hmm, right. specific power play where Jack ended up getting the hat trick. Obviously, they're not the number one unit, so uh, you know for him to throw him out there and with a bit of confidence, unlike you guys mentioned, they were trying to feed Rosovic there. So uh, that's something that Paul has been very vocal about. It in when a guy is, has two goals in a, in a game that is more or less captured by a, yeah, point, a certain and, point. And it's not like you're going to see Anaheim pull their goaltender, so it's not like Rosvick's going to get the chance yeah. at the end of the game to kind of fire in that empty netter. So he, he definitely had to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, like said. I mean, you know, to, to win games in this league, you need your depth, and Jack Rosvick is a big part of that. So uh, if he can continue doing what he's doing, and uh, we're sort of on the precipice of getting Nikolai Ehlers back, we're hoping. Um, if you can have both those guys going, that's a good thing. I think another big difference from the team last year so much of their success was based on that top power play unit because the second unit, and this is no knock on them, were not as effective as they are this year. So as this team becomes a little bit more unique from last year's group, I think this is a big thing that stands out. And now all these conversations talk, not all these conversations, as we're trying to figure out what's going to get Patrick Laine going, outside criticism is there's no one there to get him, puck, get him the puck. Here's the thing. I think Brian Little's probably playing the best hockey I've seen him play in quite some time. And his... Playmaking abilities have been at the forefront here, especially on the man advantage, but outside of that as well. Yeah, I think for for that line, it's uh, obviously they've they've been together for a little bit, and Patrick Line of late, I would say against uh, the Anaheim Ducks, he had a couple of chances uh, yeah. on the power play. He had a couple of chances, and then also on five on five, he had a chance where I, I believe I can't remember who left him the drop pass off the rush, but he came in and didn't, from the high slot. I mean, just missed. that's exactly where you want him to be to yeah. be taking shots from, and and he just missed the net. So like, I mean, here's the thing though that I that I think I kind of uh, that I like with what Patrick's doing is just the fact that you know he's getting those opportunities, like I said, but he's still not just trying to hit the net. I don't think he's still staying true to what makes him such a good player, and he's trying to a get it off quick and b trying to hit a specific corner a specific spot and that's I mean that's what he grew up doing and so when people say you know go back to it's what makes you successful especially when you're going through um, a period of time like he's going through those are the things that you want to do you want to, you want to go back to what may, makes you a successful hockey player and he's doing that and I think he's also uh, been very good in the uh, in the defensive zone especially as of late I mean we talk about uh, the power play goal that Jack Rosovic scored his second one that whole play is set up because Patrick Line gets the puck. It's it was kind of in between the two units at that point. Uh, Line gets the gets the puck off a of pass, gets into the zone, and then protects it very well along the boards as two. I believe it was two ducks converged on him, and he so he protects the puck and then plays it through 
and then all of a sudden there's this big big opening for the Jets to be able to, to create some offense. So whether it's at five on five or on the power play, I think things are things are progressing for that group. You mentioned defensively, and that goes on to our next con- our uh, situation here is as much as we appreciate what Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler uh, are doing, and Kyle Connor, of course, uh, at the offensive end of the rink. We should also touch on the fact how well they're playing the defensive end. And they had the ultimate challenge in the game in Boston on that two-game road trip outside of the uh, player-slash-all-star break, uh, going up against the Brad Marchand, and uh, Patrice Bergeron, and David Pasternak line. And you know, Wheeler touched on it afterwards, saying that's a heck of a line we went up against oh, yeah. uh, that night. And I just, you know, as much as we talk about how much they're putting the puck in the net, the responsibility that this group has every night going up against other teams' best I think should be talked about a little bit more, don't you think, Tyler? Absolutely. You know, you look at Blake Wheeler first and foremost. He he's great at both ends of the rink. Mark Shifley has progressed into a really well-rounded two-way forward. The one guy that impresses me a lot is Kyle Connor, and 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 not that I don't think he you know has that potential, but he's just he's he's such a young kid, and he's you know very responsible in the defensive zone. You don't ever find yourself going ah darn it it didn't make that play on the wall or, or you didn't yeah. make that outlet pass so uh i think the less you notice people in your defensive zone the better for your hockey club and i think those three are are definitely showing why they're the number one line on this hockey team and you know they're getting it done at both ends of the rink i guess in some ways you we saw so so many points the earlier part of the year from the top unit that I'm talking about when Nikolai Ehlers was on there as well. But now it just seems like their defensive game is getting better and better. And like Tyler just said, we're talking about them less because of their responsibilities at that end of the ring. Well, and, and Blake Wheeler always says like one of the best the best defenses make them come 200 feet, and that's exactly you know you have a Corsi like they did. Uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets, I believe it was, where all three of those of those players were over 60%. That's, that's some, some territorial dominance going right. on right there. Uh, and then of course you go up against, like, like you mentioned against Boston, that, that really difficult top line that they have. And just to even, you know, try to contain them at five on five, it doesn't matter what team you are in the national hockey league, that, that, that trio that the Bruins have are an absolute handful every single night. And then, you know, it, so it's one thing to try to contain them, but in the, in the, and the theme of making them come 200 feet, you look at, you know, when the game kind of turned midway through the, the second period or so, then it gets into the third when uh, Kyle Connor ties the game. And then it's that Shifley Connor Wheeler line just immediately after, I think it was like 34 seconds or something like that. You know, they pounce on that, the opportunity that they got. And that's what also makes them so dangerous. They don't have to be, they would love to be in the offensive zone all the time, but they take advantage of those little opportunities that they get. So you, you have the Boston game where that's an example. Then you look at the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets where I think it was Duclair just didn't quite get the puck out and all of a sudden, bang, back of the net. And that's what that line can do to you. Well, then he had 24 seconds of ice time. Yes. His only shift of the game. Massive difference between the coaching strategies of John Tortorella and Paul Maurice is there not because uh, that was the only shift that Anthony Duclair had, made a mistake, didn't see the ice the rest of the night. I, that's, I would be shocked if that ever happened with Paul Maurice. Yeah, but I think... Uh, and I, I think it was a it was a question asked to Paul um, by one of the members of the media. I can't remember uh, at the time, but it was just about it was shortly after Patrick only Patrick had the game where he had ten between ten and eleven minutes yeah, of ice time. The Boston game, yeah, yeah. And Paul yeah. and Paul Maurice's kind of reference, like, listen, whether or not I choose to to have a player sit for a bit is based on you know the the video that we've gone over 
and how recently we've talked about this or if we've talked about this. So you wonder in the case of Duclair, I mean, this is obviously had there been a conversation. Yeah. Had there been a conversation like we don't know any of that. The career path of Anthony Duclair is also a lot different Mm -hmm. than what of Patrick Laine. So there are a multitude of factors there, but. Both good points from my uh, co-host here. Um, we're going to get into our guest, uh, a special guest. Um, you've seen him many times. Uh, we missed him for a while when he was down south along with uh, Dan O'Toole. But Jay Onright, uh, of course, spent some time here in Winnipeg. Uh, very, very funny individual. <laughs> very. Um, we will get into scrum lurkers and our favorite moments from Jay and Dan after this. But uh, Jay Onright from TSN, our special guest here on Ground Control. Here is my conversation with the funny man. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. This is Jack Ross. You're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Pleased to welcome Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, a former Winnipegger, uh, Jay Onright of PSN fame. Uh, Jay, how are you today? Really great. How's everything in Winnipeg? <laughs> oh, it's it's brisk. <laughs> it is fresh here in, yeah. in the peg. I'm sure you remember these days. Um, what is, what is the, 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 the memory that stands out to you the most about your time here in Winnipeg? Well, you know, there's so many great memories. I really genuinely enjoyed living in the city. I've I've been pretty vocal about that. I've written about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think, um, you know, I really particularly enjoyed my time living in the neighborhood that I lived in, which was Osborne Village. I really, you know, I immediately gravitated to that area and wanted to live there. Found it very walkable, very fun. And, uh, and the apartment I had was so beautiful and so cheap at the time. I still wish I, mean, I still wish I was renting it, and it was like my summer home or something. Right, right. I imagine the uh, rent here is the same as the old TO. I imagine. I know you don't live. I don't think you live in Toronto. Right in Toronto, do you? Yeah, it's uh, it, it, you know, it's so funny. I was saying to my wife that we just had a baby boy, and yeah, congrats. He's, he's a, thank you. He's a really mellow little guy. And uh, he's so mellow that my wife jokes, sort of half-jokingly, that he's the kind of kid that when he's like 35, we're going to have to sue him to get him out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> the failure to launch kid? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it's that. but that's just the way rents are going in Toronto. Like, <laughs> kids are living with their parents. I think all the, all the kids who work in our newsroom, you know, live yeah. with their parents until they're 35 or 40. Yeah, um, you it's know, common, so it's a common occurrence. Yeah, so I'm just fully expecting uh, our kids to be with us until you know we're ninety, ninety-five years old. So hopefully they chip in with the mortgage uh, at some point and uh, make things a little easier. Because yes, the cost of living in this city is uh, quite high. Um, you uh, being at TSN, uh, T- of course, the Winnipeg Jets are a TSN product. Just. Uh, how how much are the Jets respected within the TSN building? I know it's in Toronto. The Maple Leafs get a lot of the attention, but I know the Jets have a little steady place in the hearts of uh, the people at TSN as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, from the thing that I'm most proud of with our Jets coverage is, is that TSN was sort of there from the beginning of the return. Um, I love that that Dennis, you know, has been the voice since the Jets came back to town. And, you know, what 
people might not know about Dennis is that, you know, when he left to, to join the Jets as their play-by-play guy, he at the time was doing uh, radio play-by-play for the Maple Leafs. And since then, opportunities have come up at TSN that, you know, would have probably led him to doing play-by-play on television for the Maple Leafs. Uh, and, you know, Dennis just was more interested in, in returning to Winnipeg and, and joining a Jets organization that I think he really believed in, and I think we all do, obviously. And now it's nice, really nice, to see the team doing so well. Uh, it must just be an amazing thing for Dennis to be able to call these games night after night and have this much talent to uh, to talk about. Um, and not to mention he's just such a terrific play-by-play guy and a great guy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I love our broadcast. Of course, Sarah Orleski is, um, you know, a good friend and a Winnipeg girl. And there are just so many good things surrounding yeah. the team's return to the city, aside from just the fact that, hey, the Jets were back. That's awesome. But from a TSN perspective, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of nice tie-ins for sure, no question. Well, I apologize for my daughter bursting into the room while we're having this conversation. You know, I love Winnipeg. that. That's real. <laughs> that's, that keeps oh. it real. Uh, she will be out of the house because I can afford to get a place in Winnipeg. So while well, your son and daughter will be living in your house for a while, my kids will be out of the house. So uh, if you need somewhere for your kids to stay, I'll have room here. I really appreciate that because we will kick them out. <laughs> this, that day is coming. They just don't know it yet. Oh, it's inevitable. Like, they, you know, we need to retire at some point. And I'm an old dad. Like, I'm, you know, I, we just had our second. I think we're done, and I'm I'm going to be 45 this year. So, mm-hmm. you know, even if they leave at a normal age, I'm still like a senior citizen. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, if they, if, if they leave in their 30s, you know, I'm I'm near death. So, it's it, you know, basically, I'm going to have to look around the corner all the time to see if they're trying to poison me, you know, to get my money at that point. Uh, Are you that so dad that has a hard time getting off the carpet? Like I have a hard time getting up off the floor now. I use a hand to push myself up. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, My the last five to ten years of my life are just going to be a, a series of me trying to avoid uh, murder at the hands of my own children. So, wow, this podcast took a weird turn, didn't it? <laughs> that's, well, I'm sure people expected this, and that's what I expected. And I'm more than happy to take it down that, that path. Um, what did you think of the white, you know, the white out again in Winnipeg? It was such a, a, a memorable run to the Stanley Cup uh, Western Final for the Jets last year. What were you thinking when the Jets were going on the run last year? Oh man, the only thing I was upset about is that we weren't there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, got here. Yes, yes, they sent the hockey guys, and uh, they didn't send us, and we were, we were. Uh, really bummed about that because you know we have so much love in winnipeg and Mm. and i would have loved to have done our show every night you know right right in the middle of the whiteout uh and maybe that'll happen down the road you know who knows we'll we'll keep pushing for that but i just loved seeing that uh it's good for uh um the former edmonton oilers owner cal nichols said something once when the oilers went to the uh, 06 cup final against uh, carolina that they ultimately lost he said it's good for the soul of the city, and I thought that was such a good way to describe how having your hockey team be successful sort of permeates the entire city and, and makes everyone happy. It makes everyone uh, happy to live where they're living. You know, it's, it's obviously the support for the Jets has been there from the beginning. I will never forget Gary Bettman showing up to that first press conference in his typical smug delivery. <laughs> saying, 
well, this isn't going to work unless we sell enough season tickets. And then the Chess fans promptly, like, selling out the season tickets in, like, 22 seconds the next day. In your picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I just love the support that that the team has gotten, and and I love the atmosphere of the building whenever I'm lucky enough to come and see a game. So, uh, you know, I... I'm not supposed to cheer for anyone, but but if mm-hmm. I was cheering for any Canadian team, it would definitely be uh, the one in the 204. Uh, how much with you know all the sound bites that you guys get on the Grand Dan show from hockey players and coaches? How enjoyable and how breath uh, breath of fresh air is it when Paul Maurice's sound bites come in uh, down the line? Well, not only Paul Maurice, who's you know just a quote machine, and you know, could there be a more perfect coach for Winnipeg? I loved when he arrived in the city, said, you know, little things. People always try to, you know, knock us Winnipeggers down and say, well, maybe Paul Maurice, maybe this, he won't want to live here after, you know, coaching in Toronto and coaching in Carolina. And right away he was like, this is a perfect city for my wife and I. Like, my wife mm-hmm. and I love this city. I love that he said that right away. And then I just, you know, obviously he's a terrific coach. And he has that amazing balance of sort of he's obviously the smartest guy in the room and he knows it. But instead of using that in a Tortorella, I'm going to talk down to you type way, he balances it out with a healthy mix of humor. And it's such a treat to watch every night. But not only Paul Maurice, but, I mean, you guys in Winnipeg got a murderer's row of post-game quotes coaches in Claude Noel and Paul Maurice. Yeah. Back to back. Legendary. It really really could not have been any better for you guys. Uh, I don't know who could possibly follow up Paul as far as the quote machine is concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe Travis Green is starting to make me laugh with his dry humor. You know, maybe he'll develop into that. But, but yeah, there's just no one quite like uh, Paul for those post-game pressers, that's for sure. Uh, Travis Green, his heart beats like once a month, don't you think? Yeah, he's like, I can't believe he played in the league. You know, he's so, know. He's so mellow and uh, so dour, but it, it's funny. You know, he's, he's like mm-hmm. that guy, that friend of yours who's like super quiet and, and sort of has that sharp sense of humor. But as you said, his pulse rate never uh, never goes very high. He he's uh, probably a perfect coach for that team when you think about it. Uh, the highs and lows they've gone through this season, he's navigated it pretty well. What about scrum luckers? How much do you love it when Brian Munz's mug comes up in the, on the screen? Man, I mean, I'd like to get a little more Winnipeg love. We've had more Gary Lawless than I oh, think yeah. we all need. I mean, uh, yeah, we all <laughs> love Gary, but we've had a lot of Gary in scrum lurkers. Yeah, scrum lurkers was uh, something we didn't expect to take off quite as much as it did. Our, mm-hmm. our you know, our thing with scrum lurkers is I think the majority of hockey guys who cover the NHL know that we are, everything is meant to be good natured, not just with scrum lurkers, but everything that we do, we don't want to have enemies. We are friendly guys and right. we just love the absurdity of, of the scrum. We love the absurdity of the fact that there's so many people there and really, it's the camera guys. You know, it's, that's what Pierre Lebrun pointed out on our show a couple of weeks ago. It's not that there's too many reporters. It's that these camera guys are so determined to get these perfect shots. And they're, most of these camera guys now have, you know, the upper bodies of, you know, Mike O'Shea. 
So they're they're elbowing these poor, you know, print media scribes out of there to the point where they got to sidle to the back of the guy they're interviewing, and then they're open season for us, you know. And and uh, it's such a popular segment, I, we can't possibly let it go. Have you any? Have you had any negative feedback from people that have been caught as scrum lurkers yet? Yes, um, we have. Uh, we we uh, Doug Smith of the Toronto Raptors. Oh yeah. Uh, who we haven't even done a, a, a Raptors scrum lurkers, but he, yeah. he, he didn't take kindly to it. And then, uh, and then we had uh, Ryan Rashog, our Edmonton bureau reporter, of course. on yeah. a, a couple of weeks ago. And Ryan wasn't upset about it. He just pointed out that there was a few Edmonton reporters who were not upset, but said, "Well, maybe we will, you know, start recording their show and pause." the recording when they make a goofy face and then post that on social media to which Dan and I said great we'll lock down that that Twitter account for you yeah uh, because that sounds hilarious actually we're not above being made fun of ourselves by any stretch of the imagination that's really the crux of our humor is, mm-hmm. is the you know us being the butt of every joke so um yeah but but for the most part uh, the reporters, I think, have, have seen it as, as it should be seen, which is it's a badge of honor to be featured on Scrum Lurkers. Well, it, it, it gets brought up. I'll get people telling me, hey, here's Scrum Lurkers again. But now that I know that Scrum Lurkers is a thing, I'm making sure I'm actually paying attention sometimes in the scrums because, you, you know, you get those guys, just their eyes are wandering and they're not, and they're looking around for who else is in the room. I try to make sure I'm not that guy anymore. So thank and, you. And you. And the thing is, Jamie, like now you will know the rookies in the room because yeah. they will be the guys we get. Yeah. And, uh, and again, the guys hanging and, over the know, they're not really going to be in the club unless they're featured at least once on Scrum Lurkers. So uh, I hope they enjoy it. Letters from your future selves. Uh, where'd that come from and how enjoyable is that? Because I've, I've been dying many times. Uh, that's, one of my that favorite, one. that's one of my favorite segments that came from a bit we did down at Fox in L.A., Mm-hmm. And I always liked doing bits where I wrote letters and you could hear my thoughts. And what I like about letters to your future self is that, and I don't know if it's obvious or not, but we have a couple of writers on the show now, really funny guys, Brendan Halloran and Norm Souza, comedians from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they write those letters and we don't see them until we're live on television and open them up. So they write Perfect. them, they steal them. And when we're reading them, that's the first time we are seeing them. And that's my favorite. So I have no idea what I'm about to read. Dear Younger Jay, just wanted to let you know that your life turns out great. When Ray Ferraro asks you to open up a bar together, you say yes. Jay Ferraris becomes the hottest gastro lounge, and you open up franchises all over the country. Hope you like provinces, because they name one after you. On right, <laughs> It couldn't have worked out better. Love, future successful Jay. That's amazing. That's great. I'm sure mine's going to go just as well. Okay. Dear Younger Dan. Uh, look, you get really into buying dolls. It all goes downhill <laughs> after you buy a cursed doll from a magician. It becomes a constant horrifying presence that you can't escape. You buy an RV and move to Lake Huron on Riterio. You spend your days mostly crying until you burn the RV while reheating a 
tuna melt. And I love the fact that mine is always very, you know, I have a very successful life and things are going to go great for me. And Dan's always, things have always gone pear-shaped for Dan. And, yeah. uh, and Dan's whole existence has gone into a tailspin. Uh, there's nothing uh, more enjoyable for our entire crew than when Dan uh, is the butt of the joke. Uh, so whenever he buys a doll and she turns out to be haunted or something like that was, was <laughs> 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 and he starts the email the the letter with "ugh." <laughs> yes, doll. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's good natured about it too. He, 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 you know, the other one that he the one that he actually hates doing is is the Jane Dan sports debate. Right, which is our, uh, you know, our knockoff on all the shows on Fox, our Fox channel that we were on. It was all debate shows, and then it was our show. We obviously stuck out like a sore thumb, and down, we did you were yelling at each other. Well. Yeah, well, it's just the fact that we get along is like what didn't fit in with what they were doing, and and uh, and so yeah, our our bit of course is just that you know we one guy makes a point, the other guy agrees, and then the the other fifty nine seconds is silent. Yeah, and uh, I love personally. I love uh, uncomfortable silence on television. I, mm-hmm. You know, I I think it's an underrated thing. It makes you stop and pay attention, and uh, and so I really love that bit. But Dan uh, has the attention span of uh, of my three year old daughter, so he really has a hard time with it. He feels like we should be filling the time with something else. And we always tell them, all you have to do is sit there. You just have to do literally nothing. But that alone is almost impossible for Dan. And you'll notice that he's trying to act a little bit. And Dan is a poor, poor actor. So, uh, so yeah, that's that. Uh, I mean, these bits are so much fun for me because yeah. they're written the afternoon of. They're very spontaneous. We usually almost always take the first take uh, because that's where we're making each other laugh the most. And, uh, yeah, it turned out to be a lot of fun to come back and do this stuff on the show for sure. Hey, man, I, I appreciate you taking time to do this. I know you got to get off the other things before I tape another segment. But uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and uh, hope to have you back on again and uh, tell Dan to keep his acting up. I will. I will, Jamie. I hope you guys uh, have a, a warmish winter in the peg. And, uh, and yes, hopefully I, I'll see you there sometime soon and we can go get Ray and Jerry's and, and have some steaks or something like that. Oh, yes. That sounds so good. And, and make sure it's in the midst of winter, though, or else it's not the same. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. See. Line eight, watch it. Scores! Damn. Oh, what a save by Connor Halliburton. Rise. All Winnipeg Jets single-game tickets for the 2018-19 season are now on sale. Choose the matchup you want to see and pick your seats today by visiting winnipegjets.com slash tickets. As advertised, the man is very funny. Um, Scrum Lurkers, he was surprised at how popular it became. And now that I've seen it week after week, it's funny how like a one-minute non-odd, there's no sound. Just music. Well, there's, yeah. But you know what I'm getting at. There's nobody talking in it. How something for a minute can be so. Oh yeah. That you can't wait to see every week. Absolutely. And I mean, how could you not love it? 
Jamie Thomas has like a weekly appearance. He has appearance. been on there, yes. A, I would say more of a monthly appearance on yeah. on that program. He didn't bite on the Brian Munns thing. He went he went more in another direction that I didn't surprise. Yeah. He went after Gary Lawless, which is <laughs> just fine. But <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I, and you know what? I, I'm usually about as aware as I can be for where those cameras are, those particular ones that tend to be the ones that they use for for the footage so i i put uh put my long arm to to use because i'm pretty sure during some scrums especially with, like during the time that i was not feeling well right. i'm sure there were some weird sniffling coughing holding in uh coughing faces that i made that would have been uh, great for scrum lurkers but thankfully i was far enough away well I, i'm a regular in the producer's inbox sending them <laughs> links like hey you guys should put this in. <laughs> I caught somebody chewing gum behind Alex Ovechkin last year. It was hilarious, and it made it in a few weeks later. So, uh, great guys over there. The the one thing you don't, the one thing Scrum Lurkers has made me more aware of, is sometimes you get the glazed overlook where somebody's talking, you're just like. You're not really even paying yeah, attention whether, to what whether they're saying. Whether it's a question you don't need or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, it's, it's a very yeah. specific one. And then, yeah, so you just kind of lose it for a minute, and that's <laughs> when they get you. Or the worst one is when you're looking around the room for where the next person is. So you're waiting. <laughs> yeah. like, so you're looking around. Oh, is Shifley coming in the room? And you're like this. Look, you know, you can't see this because it's a podcast, and I'm moving around for no reason. But <laughs> you are searching the room for your next yeah. uh, post-game guest, and that's made me more aware of that. Um, also, a, a huge fan of the letters from our future selves i'm not quite sure if you guys have yep. seen any of those but those are those are fantastic and jay telling me that the writers write those and they don't see them beforehand and you can see why the magic happens afterwards but there's just uh I, I nothing but great things to say about jay and dan and it's it's been a great we need to have dan on the pod as a rebuttal yeah, yeah. <laughs> allow him to retort i'm curious and that will be the first question either one of us any one of us can ask him as if if he gets more requests than jay to come on any podcast or any Ooh. show that, that's where we're gonna have to see i'm sure he'll have very intelligent and when they first came back from the states and were hired at tsn i had him on a, a radio show that i was on in hamilton and he got very defensive about the death of the highlight show and he went on this minute rant and it was just perfect because <laughs> we've heard about the death of highlight shows yeah and he just went and it was fantastic as a guy that used to do highlight shows and i could see why he got defensive but it was great and uh we'll have to get him fired up about that one more time when yes. we have him on the show um first another order of business we have to take care of is uh, jets rewards 50 jets rewards on the line right here right now and uh so just get out your computer type in the word type in uh, jetsrewards.ca and the word is go jets go I remember this week. The phrase, go Jets, go. The phrase, go Jets, go. All one word, no spaces, no such thing. Then you have yourself 50 Jets rewards uh, just for listening to the Ground Control, the podcast, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, We could see Dustin Bufflin back in the lineup this week. Very exciting times. Um, the Jets went eight and four without him in the month of January, and Nikolai Ehlers for that matter. I think we should give a little bit more credit to this hockey club. Not that we already don't, but... An incredible month of January as we get into February, guys. Weathered another injury storm, just like we did last year. Yep, and then you you knock on wood. There's no wood around, but you knock on it in your respective listening areas that uh, maybe that's the the biggest injury storm that uh, that the team hits, and you just kind of keep going forward from there. Very curious to see how this team responds, or not so much responds, goes up against the San Jose Sharks. First time Jets fans will see Eric Carlson in a San Jose Shark uniform. Very unique challenge for the Jets going up against a team that has Brett Burns and Eric Carlson. I know they've done it once already this year, but looking forward to watching them uh, Tuesday night. Also, shout out to uh, Paul Maurice, going to be coaching in his uh, 1500th game on Tuesday against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Pete DeBoer, 
uh, I believe is his best friend, going to be on the other bench. And also a little tidbit that I uh, discovered, and I'll be tweeting this out later for the likes. You know, I need that dopamine <laughs> hit. Uh, Paul Maurice, his first game with the Hartford Whalers as a head coach was also against the San Jose Sharks. It was a 7-3 win. So hopefully uh, we will see the same fortunes on Tuesday night. You're going to love that one, aren't you? I can't. I don't know if this is going to be as good as when you uh, put up that video of when Paul Maurice lit into the San Jose Sharks <laughs> if about that tweet, Winnipeg. If that tweet gets one RT and three likes, you're going to be so upset. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee you none already, of you three are going to be doing the tweet. <laughs> the three of you won't be liking it. I know that. Uh, I may retweet it. I'm not quite sure yet. We'll see how the response is to start. If you need a push... If you're already getting a lot of them, I might just set Shout back out to the watch. NHL. Like I went all the way back to 95 in their score like wow. area. It, it just keeps going. And then I clicked on the day, and there it was. Perfect. Nice. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks for, so much for listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll talk to you guys next week. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.